Over the past couple weeks, more than 200 brands have stopped advertising on one of the biggest platforms in the world, Facebook. The exodus includes a wide range of companies, from smaller brands like Jansport and Chobani to huge ones like Verizon and Coca-Cola. Many of these brands say they're joining the boycott to fight the spread of hate speech and racism on social media. But some bigger brands say their departure from Facebook isn't only about hate speech. It's also about a much broader problem with advertising on the platform. They want Facebook to do more to protect their brands from appearing near bad content. They've been asking for more of this stuff to be cleaned up for a while now. So it's part of the ongoing dialogue that they've had with this platform. Suzanne Vernitza covers marketing and advertising, and she's been following the relationship between Facebook and its advertisers for years. There's been this sort of love-hate relationship between Facebook and Madison Avenue for many years, and it seems like now that dam sort of broke. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, July 1st. Coming up on the show, why advertisers are boycotting Facebook and what it says about the future of digital advertising. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. The advertising boycott started a couple of weeks ago when civil rights groups, including the Anti-Defamation League and the NAACP, published a newspaper ad calling on companies to stop advertising on Facebook in July. They called the campaign Stop Hate for Profit. The group called for the boycott after Facebook decided not to take down posts by President Trump that many thought incited violence. Trump had posted about the nationwide protests and said, quote, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. The group called on Facebook to moderate that kind of content, And it also called for a broader effort to scrub out hate speech and other offensive content on the platform. The letter said, quote, Let's send Facebook a powerful message. Your profits will never be worth promoting hate, bigotry, racism, anti-Semitism, and violence. Initially, a few smaller advertisers came out and joined the boycott right away. Most of those had a whole history of sort of speaking out on societal issues. One was Ben & Jerry's. That's a company that has long been public about what it stands for, will jump into the fray to talk about societal issues, even in its advertising. So initially, that's what we saw. We saw the slow sort of uptick of brands, particularly small ones that were sort of coming out and saying that they would join in. Other brands with reputations for social activism joined in, like Patagonia and REI. Facebook says it works hard to take down hate speech and that it's banned 250 white supremacist groups. The company also says it removes nearly 90% of hate speech before anyone reports it. As the boycott grew, bigger brands started to sign on. And for some of them, this boycott went beyond a social justice issue. 
They saw this moment of crisis at Facebook as part of a larger problem with the platform that's been brewing for years. It's not just about what happened at this moment. It's a history of how technology platforms and the advertisers have gotten along till this point. Before tech platforms came along, if an advertiser wanted to reach a consumer, they had to buy ads on specific pieces of content, like a TV show or a magazine, without really knowing which people they were actually reaching. But companies like Google and Facebook had so much data on their users that advertisers could directly target the right people. They know everything about consumers and all of their customers. And it's really an easy sort of way for advertisers to reach all of their customers in one file swoop. And that makes it super efficient for advertisers because they can target and not waste dollars by just blanketing the airways, right? Because the ability just to zero in and hit a customer rather than, you know, spraying ads everywhere in hopes that you're hitting them. So the efficiency that they can drive is why brands flock to it. On the opposite side, there was a downfall to that approach. The downside was that there was so much content being generated on these platforms every day the brands couldn't keep track of every single post that their ads appeared next to, which made it hard to ensure that a brand could be safe online, that an ad wouldn't be posted next to offensive content. These were very different challenges from the ones advertisers faced before the rise of the internet. When you talk about how advertising used to be done, it was a lot easier to realize like, oh, there's a problem with CBS and they would call their network rep and figure out like, I don't want my ad on this channel or this program. The problem is the explosion of content on the web is vast compared to any other media channel and it's just hard to wrangle. But it wasn't just hard for advertisers to keep track of what their ads were appearing next to. It was a challenge for them to keep track of how many people were even seeing their ads. In 2016, Facebook disclosed that it had overestimated how long people actually spent watching ads on the platform. They had a mistake in the way of reporting of their video views on the platform. And they basically said they were off by as much as 80%. And so advertisers had all, you know been using these data points to sort of figure out like, oh, this is a really powerful platform. Let's put more money here. So all of a sudden, it was a moment of, oh my goodness, do we trust this company? Are all of the figures that they give us correct? Advertisers went apoplectic about it. Advertisers pressed Facebook to fix its ad reporting system. One major advertiser said, quote, it's time to grow up. Eventually, Facebook agreed to allow the media industry's measurement watchdog to audit the company's ad metrics. What do you think the lesson was that advertisers took away from this period when they learned about these inflated ad numbers? Well, I think it just caused them to realize like they have to come together to sort of demand things. That realization that they could band together to push for change was put to the test just a few weeks later, this time with the other major digital advertiser on the web— Google's YouTube. It started in early 2017, when advertisers realized that some of their ads were being played before objectionable videos. There was brands that had their ads appear near terrorist content or racist content, and a lot of advertisers, including Procter & Gamble, AT&T, and a lot of others, pulled off that platform and demanded that YouTube and Google put together a comprehensive plan to measure, like, we want to know what are we on, what YouTube videos are our ads appearing next to. In their fight with Google, advertisers went a step further than they had with Facebook. 
This time, advertisers didn't just criticize Google, they started a boycott. Major brands like Coca-Cola and Walmart pulled their ad spending from the platform. Google promised to fix the issue. It hired more people to review content, spent more on artificial intelligence to weed out problematic videos, and gave brands more control over where their ads appeared. But even with these kinds of solutions from big tech, the scale of digital advertising continues to present a fundamental problem. Facebook, Google, and other platforms have promised to use technology to get a handle on this. But everybody knows, like, AI is still developing and it takes time. And, you know, the fight is, well, then hire people. But even if you hired a full load of people to go through every video that came on, it would be enormous. But that is the crux of it, right? Like, these are technology platforms that take lots of content and advertisers are having to wrestle that. Like, it's not like it used to be. So when the Stop Hate for Profit campaign started this year, it was another reminder to advertisers that these problems haven't gone away. And as this year's boycott grew, bigger brands with deeper pockets joined in. Brands like Unilever. Unilever is one of the world's largest advertisers. They have very popular brands from Dove to Hellman's to Axe deodorant. And they realized that they couldn't go forward with the U.S. advertising on not only Facebook and Instagram, but they also included Twitter on this as well. In a statement, Unilever didn't mention the boycott, but the company said that all social media in the U.S. had become so filled with hate speech and divisive content that it didn't make sense to advertise there at all until more is done to fix it. The interesting thing about Unilever was they didn't really just want to be part of a boycott, right? What they decided was, look, at the end of the day, from their company's perspective, they wanted to reiterate the demands that they've been saying all along. Facebook needs to do more for brands that are going to advertise. Like, we want to know where we're appearing on your platform. Are we against a hate speech? Are we against a fake news item? And are there ways to stop that from happening? So... They just say the whole platform has become a place where they can't be brand safe because it's only getting exacerbated. And now as we're going into an election cycle, this is not going to get much better. Coming up, Facebook tries to stop the advertising exodus. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Welcome back. Last year, Unilever spent more than $40 million on Facebook ads, but its decision last week to pull spending represents a far bigger threat to Facebook than just losing Unilever's ad dollars. 
Look, the biggest blow to Facebook right now is they've got to stem the boycott because the more the boycott goes on and it's public is they don't want it to keep going and they don't want even the big companies to be so outspoken about it. Because the secret about Facebook is as much as they rely on the advertisers, their base is the small business to medium-sized business. You see them every day, right? There's the local pet shop that's using Facebook feed to put ads on there, uh, local dressmakers, direct-to-consumer companies that don't have the budgets to get on television. They use that platform every day and they make up the majority of the advertisers on Facebook. But if more and more advertisers come out and boycott and they're in the news talking about the platform, some of these small businesses might start to follow their lead. And, you know, Facebook, they just don't want it to go that far. While advertisers are pulling their dollars for different reasons, the prevailing message for Facebook was that content moderation had to improve. Hours after Unilever's announcement, Mark Zuckerberg started a live stream to announce changes coming to Facebook. Uh, We want to do more here uh, to prohibit the kind of divisive an inflammatory rhetoric uh, that has been used to sow discord. So on Friday, we saw that Mark Zuckerberg had his call and he basically said he would start labeling the political speech that violates its rules and take on other measures to prevent voter suppression and protect minorities from abuse. So today, uh, we're adopting uh, some new policies to prohibit a wider category of hateful content and ads. Facebook announced that it was updating its content moderation policies on hate speech and voter misinformation. And the company said that its content moderation rules would also apply to politicians, allowing the platform to apply these measures to any posts from the president. Facebook has said it doesn't make policy decisions in response to, quote, revenue pressure. And a spokesman said the changes had already been in the works. But, you know, a lot of the civil rights groups and even some of the advertisers were like, it didn't go far enough. Even after Mark Zuckerberg's call on Friday, we've seen a load more advertisers pull out over the weekend, including big advertisers like Starbucks. So it didn't really stem the defections at all. More advertisers have pulled money from Facebook in the days since, including Ford, Clorox, and yesterday Target. More than 240 companies have now joined. And this week, Facebook announced more changes. The company said it would allow a media industry watchdog to audit its advertising practices, from how it monetizes content to how it works with brands to ensure their ads are safe from offensive posts. But Suzanne says this advertiser backlash feels different from the others in years past. What I've seen, or at least the history has shown, you know, it spurs up and then it spikes. We get to a point where we think real change is going to happen. A couple of things change and then everybody goes back to singing Kumbaya and the spending starts up again. So... This feels a little different only because you've got lots of companies, you know, it involves politics more than ever. And I think that itself has elevated the conversation. So I do think this will be a little bit more of a, there'll have to be a bigger solve for these advertisers to get back in. How much of this problem do you think can actually be fixed? Or is it just sort of the peril of advertising on any social media platform in the internet right now? Look, I think there's always going to be a chance and some peril with advertising on digital channels, right? Just because of the sheer velocity of what happens and the fact that it is all automated and the vast amount of content. 
But then there's a part of me, like these are technology platforms that are some of the wealthiest companies in the world and they can do almost anything. So advertisers are not going to let them sit back and just say, oh, you know, we can't get any safer. They're going to have to keep pushing them because the platforms, they have the resources to do it. And I think if you push them hard enough, they will do it. But I do think there's going to be only so much they can do. So it's going to be an evolution. There's not going to be a, a quick fix for any of it at all. That's all for today, Wednesday, July 1st. Additional reporting in this episode by Deepa Sitharaman. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.